Welcome back, my fellow creatives, to You've Got Five Pages to Tell Me It's Good, where I grab a new release from my local library to see if it can indeed, in five pages, tell me it's good. And I've got high hopes for this one, not going to lie, because we've had this author here before. It's T. Kingfisher. I loved Kingfisher's book, What Moves the Dead, uh, which was a, a unique take on the fall of the House of Usher. That was an episode from last year. And now I have Thorn Hedge, which sounds also quite promising uh, as far as a take on uh, the story of Rapunzel for I mean, at least, at least that's my guess. Because once I saw T. Kingfisher, we got to take on another story. Okay, I'm going for it. Because I love the unique perspective uh, Kingfisher brings to what is considered a classic tale. So I'm, I'm stoked. I want to see what this is going to look like. Um, let's just dive in. Because, my goodness. It's, an, it's another short book, too. I mean, she doesn't add superfluous items she's gonna stick with the story and run with it and this book is barely over 100 pages so more of a novella really and i'm excited okay all right here we go calming down we're going into dark realms here okay chapter one in the early days the wall of thorns had been distressingly obvious there was simply no way to hide a hedge with thorns like sword blades and stems as thick as a man's thigh. A wall like that invited curiosity, and with curiosity came axes, and it was all the fairy could do to keep some of those curious folk from gaining entrance to the tower. Eventually, though, the brambles had grown up around the, the edges. Blackberry and briar and dog rose, all the weedy opportunists. And that softened the edge of the thorn wall and gave the fairies some breathing room. Roving princes and penniless younger sons had been fascinated by the thorns, which were so obviously there to keep people out. Hardly anybody was interested in a bramble thicket. It helped, too, that the land around the thorns became inhospitable. It was, it was nothing so obvious as a desert, but wells ran dry practically as soon as they had been dug, and rain passed through the soil as if it were sand instead of loam. That was the fairy's doing too, though she regretted the necessity. The fairy was the greenish-tan color of mushroom stems, stems and her skin bruised blue-black like mushroom flesh. She had a broad, frog-like face and waterweed hair. She was neither beautiful nor made of malice, as many of the fair folk are said to be. Mostly, she was fretful and often tired. I just, I'm just going to pause for a second there. I'm, I'm already loving this. Um, even though we are definitely... Th this is one of the reasons why I think people are so keen to break rules they hear about writing because they see the people who break the rule do it so well. And we see that here with uh, T. Kingfisher, because my goodness, I love the um, how this first page is uh, telling us about 
what this fairy has done is telling us about what this world, the setting at least, looks like with the uh, wall of thorns. Very vivid, quick details there, but it's enough for us to visualize. And then the passage of time and how those thorns are lost to the everyday, the everyday weedings. And who cares about those, right? And this is done over the course of a page. It's wonderful establishment. And yeah, it's telling. It's telling, but also showing at the same time, because we are having key details of the setting given to us that also help set the stage, the tone for the fairy tale to come. And I like the little turn uh, turn on the head, you know, of, of the fairy. We are not dealing with a nasty, evil, wicked fairy. Clearly someone who is fatigued, but has done and ta or taken these drastic measures for a reason. So let's find out why. How do they know? She asked miserably. Everyone who knew her should be dead of old age by now. Them and their children, too. Their grandchildren should be gray-haired. How do they even remember there's a tower here? She was talking more or less to a white wagtail, a little bird that liked short grass and pumped its tail constantly as it walked. Wagtails were not so clever as rooks or jackdaws or carrion crows, but the fairy liked them. They did not make fun of her like the crows would, nor carry tails the way that the rooks did. The wagtail scurried closer, pumping its tail up and down. They must be telling stories, said the fairy hopelessly, about a princess in a tower and a hedge of thorns to keep the princes out. She wiped her eyes. She knew that her eyelids were turning blue-black in response to the unshed tears. There was no one to see her except the wagtail, but she pinched the bridge of her nose and tilted her head back anyway. The old habits were still with her. I can't fight stories, she whispered, and a few tears, dark as ink, ran down her face and tangled in her hair. But time did pass, and perhaps the stories were told less often. Fewer men came to the thorn hedge with axes. The wagtails left because they preferred open country, and the fairy was sorry to see them go. Jays moved in, flitting through the thorns and blistering the air with their scolds. They were shy and spooked easily for all their cursing. The fairy recognized kindred spirits as she still spooked easily herself. As the years trickled away and the thorns filled with dog roses, her soul grew easier. There were stones inside her heart that would never stop grinding together, but they did not weigh so heavily in the years when no princes came. The fairy was filled with dread when she heard the ringing of nearby axes. She crouched in the brambles, toad-shaped, motionless, thinking, What will I do if they come nearer? But they did not come nearer. They cut a road through the woods, but gave the brambles a wide swath. The tower had been built on a rocky hill, a good defensible place for a castle, but not a good place for a road. The axe-bearers cut south instead, in a long curve, over what had once been fields held by the plough. The fairy was afraid for a long time that the coming of the road would mean the coming of more princes and younger sons, but mostly what it brought were merchants and travellers. 
None seemed interested in forcing their way through a massive bramble thicket, and perhaps none of them made the connection about how much land the brambles covered, or stopped to consider what such a dense growth might conceal. I'm going to pause again here because first of all, there's a love it's again, I don't know if meta is the right word, but I do love how it's the power of storytelling that the fairy fears, not magic, not weaponry, storytelling. And I think that just says a lot on how much power fairy tales still hold today really i mean why do we keep telling them why are there still movies and novels <clears throat> still written based on them it's because of the power of those classic fairy tales and i do like on how it sounds like modernity is content to leave those stories behind not completely or we wouldn't have any sort of story here but the power of story has faded a bit. It reminds me a little bit of um, the never ending story, how Fantasia is dying off because imagination is dying off in mankind. I'm feeling a little bit of a parallel here, but still, let's keep going. Let's see what the fairy does next. Because I still want to know what this tower holds. I mean, we can all guess it's some sort of princess if princes are supposed to keep showing up, but there must be a reason to keep that princess so well hidden, even after generations and generations have passed. All right, back to it. She watched the travelers with interest, for those were the only human faces, save one, that she saw. They were so very different in so many sh different shapes and colors. Pale, fair-haired men striding down from the north and dark-skinned men in beautiful armor riding in on horses from the east. Men in caravans who looked like the old royal family, serfs and peasants in homespun, the traveling folk in their wagons. A great cross-section of humanity who would pass one another on the road and nod and sometimes stop and speak in unfamiliar languages. One of the few kind gifts given to and by the fair folk is the ability to speak any of the languages of the earth. The fairy could understand what they were saying, but while the words were familiar, the rest was not. She did not recognize the names of the cities they spoke of, nor the kings, nor caliphs, and the details of taxation and trade law were beyond her. The tide of people grew and grew, and a trade house went up a few miles away. The fairy could see the smoke of it in the sky. She nodded her fingers together and huddled under the thorn hedge to escape the gnawing fear. Let them not come, she prayed. She had been told that the fair folk were without souls, and probably that applied to her as well. A befuddled creature betwixt and between. That's a nice turn of phrase there. I like that. Anyway. Still, just in case, she prayed. Let them not come here. Let them not clear the thorns. I do not know how many of them I can hold off. Please keep them away. Um, amen. She added the last worriedly, not sure if that made it a prayer or if she was supposed to be doing something else. 
The royal family's priest had been reasonably accepting of her presence, but that tolerance had not extended to teaching her how to make a prayer correctly. Perhaps something hurt her prayer. The flow of people slowed to a trickle. The merchant stopped coming. The fairy saw only a few people. There were men in great bird-like masks and dark, tightly-fitted clothes that gleamed with wax. They strode by like herons, like birds of prey, and the fairy cowered away from them. There was something about the masks that were too much like the faces of the elder fair folk. So I do like how we're getting this, again, passage of time, because by the sound of the plague masks here, we're dealing with Black Death period. The fact that there's fewer people and how those who are dressed are moving around like birds of prey, quote unquote. So again, time is passing pretty frequently. And I'm kind of wondering now, when, when are we going to reach the story? I mean, we are on the fourth page, and I do, again, I love her style of telling, describing in her establishment, but I'd really like something to happen in present soon. So, well, let, let's give it another page and see what happens. I mean, especially since this is a short story. I want to get to the story story part. Okay, back to it. Even so, she preferred the bird men to the screamers. They traveled in groups, half-naked, shrieking like animals. Sometimes they struck themselves with ropes of thorns, howling as the blood flowed, then cackling with laughter. They stank of madness. One ran a little way into the brambles, tearing his skin on the thorns, and then staggered out again. The fairy, toad-shaped, waited until the rains had come and gone before she came near those brambles again. Whatever madness had infected the screamers, she would not risk contact with it. After a time, there were neither birdmen nor screamers. There was no one at all. The road filled with weeds. The fairy, who had been afraid of humans, now began to miss them. Not the screamers or the birdmen, but the others who had come before. They had been company of a sort, even if they did not know she was there. She slept more and more. The jays stole shiny things from each other's nests, but found no new ones. The seasons chased one another, and a day came when she heard hoofbeats. Men coming from the east on their fine-boned horses riding down the ruined road. They wore no armor. There were two birdmen in their midst, also on horses, and they were riding hard, as if afraid. After that, the floodgates opened. Men and women came streaming from the east and then back from the west on horses and on foot in wagons and caravans. Sometimes they rode with knights carrying banners with red crosses on them. When they spoke to each other, she heard words like plague and graves and so many dead. The fairy curled into a ball and wept for the dead. And yet a tiny nagging voice said, perhaps the story of the tower will die with them. It was a terrible thing to be glad that whole cities had died. It must be true, thought the fairy bleakly. I must not have a soul. 
to be relieved even a little, and she cried even more until the ground was black with tears. The weeds were trampled down again in time, and the traffic became more normal. The style of clothing changed and changed again, and the traveling folk came again in their wagons, and still no one ventured into the brambles for a long, long time. Now it looks like the next scene is when we have a knight approaching the brambles. But we are also past the first five pages. <laughs> and we are also almost out of time. So on the plus side, I'm glad that we have reached story story part, you know. Um, and again, I love Kingfisher's storytelling style. I mean, I could sit and listen to her say this by a campfire and I would be wrapped. Um, so I don't have a problem with that. I would have had a problem if we kept just getting told. If this was going to continue with more establishment exposition, I then would have had a problem because that's too long. But I can see now that we have passed five pages. We are going to be into the true narrative arc. So that's good to see. Um, and in a way, I can understand where Kingfisher is coming from. She wants to establish just how ancient this tower and its hidden princess is. And how isolated and and you can really feel for this fairy too i mean this fairy has taken whatever task she has put to herself so seriously that she has never left she has never tried to find her fellow kin she has never abandoned what seems to be her purpose even though clearly it has cost her and I think that's a powerful thing for readers to see as well. And I'm stoked. I mean, this is a short thing. I'm excited to read this. This is this is my weekend right here is checking out the rest of this. So if you do love your fairy tales, if you love retellings, but you don't want to invest in some 500 page epic, because we definitely have those kinds of days too, please try T. Kingfisher. Um, I have yet to be disappointed, and I have a feeling I won't be disappointed here either. We'll see what I find next week, though. So until then, read on, share on, and write on, my friends. Cheers. <laughs>